if it's a hip injury, are you able to, you know, stand on one leg and take your knee up toward your chest, pull it, take your hip into flexion? Can you do, can you take it into extension? You know, have you got that range of motion, that end of end range strength to allow you to do the movements? It's a constant movement of flexion and extension. And if you don't have that, then maybe you're going to pick up an injury because of that. Um, you know, and the glutes as well. We're talking about the glutes. That's going to give you a good sounding board for strength and stability. And Hi, I'm your host, Kim Hartwell, personal trainer, movement coach, and yoga teacher with over 10 years experience in the wellness industry. I'm also the founder of the Move Your Soul online membership space. Move Your Soul, both the podcast and the membership have been created to provide you a safe space for learning, self-exploration, and growth for long-term well-being. Through this podcast, I'll be interviewing renowned experts in the field. We'll learn together about the most up-to-date, relevant, and thought-provoking insight into movement and mindfulness techniques. Then I'm super excited for you to be able to put these learnings into practice through the online membership. The membership has a whole host of on-demand classes available for you to practice wherever in the world you are. So let's get started with the podcast and down to the learning. Okay, Ben, Davey, thank you so much for joining me on Move Your Soul podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. Um, it's awesome to have you along. Uh, so Ben Davey, if you haven't met him, he's the head of Hit Matrix and Running at Digni Fitness. Um, he does these awesome free workouts on YouTube for all ages, which I think is a really lovely touch. And he's also an ambassador for Under Armour Running and is a marathon and mobility specialist. And on top of that, he's completed six marathons. So he is your man when we speak to you, speak about things like running and strength training. It's great to have you on. Welcome to the pod, Ben. Thank you. Looking forward to chatting. I'm, I'm incredibly excited for your podcast. I know Yay. you're going to have some amazing guests on board as well. Yes, very lucky. Did you want to add anything to that little intro about yourself? No, that was perfect. Okay, perfect. <laughs> to the point. Lots of awesome things there. Um, so I, I think the nicest thing to get started is just like, um, what has your journey been to get to where you are? Like, how did you get to the point where you completed like six marathons and you're an ambassador for Under Armour? It's all super cool. Like, how did you get to that point? So I think with um, with running, um, my earliest memory with running is probably my uncle when I was six years old going to watch him complete the London Marathon. And I remember it really well, like as a family on um, on Tower Bridge, um, just seeing him running past and an incredible atmosphere. And it was just such a positive day, a positive vibe. Everyone was supporting each other and seeing him afterwards. He was like beaming. And I just remember I remember that well. And I think from that point, I always wanted to get into running at some point, early as six. Um, and it wasn't until I was 21, until I did my first marathon, but I've just, I guess I've just got the bug from doing it. I love what running brings to me. Um, so from le leaving school, I've done all my, I did all my qualifications to be a personal trainer um, and started working at Virgin Active as a spin instructor and went on to work overseas in um, Egypt and Spain. Very the cool. Spain job actually wasn't wasn't in fitness, but the Egypt job was a fitness role. Um, and then come back from there and continued the journey. Um, and yeah, like I say, went on to, I've completed now six marathons and that's my main passion. I love running, so. And have so, they all yeah. been in London or did you go around different places at those six marathons? So the, so the marathon, I've done three in um, Brighton. Cool. 
two Bournemouth, one London. The first one was London. The London one is, I mean, I'm, I don't know. Have you have you been to? Have you yeah, done it's incredible. Yeah. The atmosphere, like when yeah. you were talking about it, I was like, that. Yeah, I've yeah. been there. It's just phenomenal, isn't it? Yeah, that day, like when I was six, we had a t- uh, a sign that said "Run, Tony, Run!" like from Forest Gump, and it was just like um, the best vibe. And like I say, meeting him afterwards at Victoria, I could see how like happy it, it had made him. And it's and how amazing to have that as six years old. And I think you said like, oh, I didn't get around to my marathon to 21. I feel like 21 is still quite young to do a marathon. This is true. This is true. Yeah, 21 is is very young to, to do a marathon. And, and on that day, um, that was a very painful experience, I would say. I think, I feel like with something like marathons, you, you build up with experience and time, your body gets a bit more used to it. Like the first one I did, I did a lot of training, um, but like I can still remember like the last eight miles were horrendous. And then for days afterwards, like the 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 dark, the, the soreness I got, like walking down the stairs, it was it was really tough. But maybe that was a couple of reasons. I reckon as well, in the training, I was doing I was li- literally mapping my run up on out online. There was no I didn't have a watch, I don't think. So possibly the fact that I didn't actually reach the distances that I'd thought I'd I'd actually made. <laughs> on my map maybe I was I wasn't going as far I'm definitely um, but yeah no it was it's a great day <laughs> nice that's awesome and I think marathon is such an incredible achievement and they always say that last eight miles killer don't they um and I guess at that age you probably did bounce back from any sort of injuries or niggles your body would be a bit more adaptive because we're, when we're young we kind of you know think we're invincible and then it's like we get to the point where we're a little bit older and when was what, what sort of ages were those marathons? Have you done more recent ones or obviously a little bit older or? Yeah. So my, um, I'm not sure the, in fact, the ages I did, the 2011 was the first, 2013, I think 2015. Yeah. I'm, I, I think it was like a couple of years in between most of them. I might've done two in one year. Um, one that all of them mean something to me now like reflecting the first one was the first one um the second one we did as a family in memory of our granddad and we raised some money for the hospice that looked after him so then there was one that I did with a client so we trained together and we reached the goal he wanted to do a marathon before he was 40 so like each one I now look back one of them was for like my football manager who sadly passed away who I who was my manager growing up um so yeah they all all of them mean something i'm not sure in actual i think yeah 21 23 25 maybe yeah interested in like how obviously you've learned so much in that time anyway as a trainer what we do when we kind of you know go through our work is we learn and we experience we grow and i think that yeah having done a number of marathons it's quite a nice measurable isn't it and metric to kind of see and then reflect on the, I, I guess the differences and how you felt and what you could do better yeah. and then I guess you've had six six opportunities to to better the yeah. training I think for, from the first one I think the main issue not issue like problem I had was getting carried away like and the adrenaline of the day especially London I remember going over Tower Bridge and feeling like I was like wow I feel really strong here and and not reining it in like if it was me now I'd be like Okay, I feel strong. Let's let's ease off the pace a little bit, and that's really easy to not do on your first time or or um, whatever time. It, and it might have even been the fact that I didn't perhaps have a watch at that stage. Like at 21, I pro- I don't think I had a 
a watch to monitor it. Um, but like being being in control of your emotions, I think when you're doing something like a marathon is a really important thing to have the ability to do, which is why I think if you're preparing to do a marathon, it's important to to do some races, get used to the crowds, get used to people like ch- shouting your name. Because if you're not used to that, you, it can take a lot out of you, like emotionally. If you're like responding to everything, you're like embracing everything and everyone's like giving you a boost, you need to over 26 miles, that will be quite draining. So I think I think from the first, I think that's one of the things I experience with experience, you kind of just, yeah, it's a boost. But, you know, in, in Bournemouth Marathon, for example, like you run through the finish line at 17 miles. Um, and, and at that point, you've got people that are finishing and the crowd's going like really like it's a it's a great vibe so you could you know that you could get that but then when you run through the finish line you run away from the finishing line and up a huge hill for about a mile so it's like yeah you you have to prepare mentally for those for those parts of the route yeah it's a lot and I think even I guess not even necessarily with marathon training like I think when I've been rehabbing my foot surgery and stuff when I was learning kind of the strengthening behind the running a bit more I realized I didn't even think about my physio said like have you got a running playlist that has got a cadence on it like a beats per minute and I was just like no never thought of it I like I love drum and bass so for me if I need to get a workout I'm putting my drum and bass on nice and loud and get getting in there and getting excited and then what I found is actually when they were telling me I actually love what you just posted you said uh, a little bit heart rate low cadence high and I, I, that's what they said to me at my physio, who they specialize in footballers and runners. And they were saying like, you can't go off like a rocket. Your heart rate can't be through the roof. You can't. Um, and I think when I get that boost of energy from my music, my drum bass, I just was going off like a rocket. And I think I've said, me, me and you've had conversations about it before. It's just very hard to get that balance yeah. between, I guess that is also your ego being like, not even ego, just feeling strong. Oh my God, I can go faster to feeling strong. Let me keep, keep strong by doing what I'm doing right now. Yeah. I think like actually drum and bass, I like, although it is, it is, it gives you some good energy. That's a really good beat for running like cadence. Cause it typically drum and bass around 176 beats per minute. It's about 88 RPM. A lot of the, the drum and bass, which is good, but obviously you can get, carried away but um i think yeah like being able to reel it right in and being controlled that heart rate if you can keep that quite low whilst you're running keep it um conversational that's like when i'm coaching like runners with like audio um sessions i often ask questions and i actually get them to respond whilst running and that's a really useful tool like rp the rate of perceived exertion especially over something like a marathon like 5k shouldn't necessarily be that comfortable like you shouldn't be able to respond comfortably but with like a marathon if you're training up for an endurance event like that you need to bring the pace back especially in training and get used to running at the pace that you'll be working at and the, and the conversation test is great um but you mentioned there the heart rate low and cadence high that's something i'm personally working on at the moment because so often as runners we can like the cadence thing we we can overstride and understrike and that's kind of like a breaking mechanism if you're striding and landing out in front of your body it's almost counterintuitive so you want to land underneath your hip and think about the pulling action yeah. using your hip to propel your leg forwards 
And I actually found having looked at my cadence, it was a little bit low and I could improve that. So it's consciously working on that and using music is a great way to do that, using the beat of the music um, and just getting your legs turning over a little bit quicker is, is, a, is a good way to build up your efficiency. So more steps per yep. minute or for instance or something. Yep. So there's, there's, there's a range, like everyone's different and it's generally based on your height, your weight, um, the two key variables like your leg length for cadence so mine my goal my target range is about 172 steps per minute and probably a couple of months ago I was sitting I was averaging about 166 or something like that I was looking at the the metrics so I've just been working to get it into that zone and I think over time your body becomes will become used to running at the higher cadence and then you'll be stronger at that cadence and you'll build speed you basically want minimal contact with the ground Mm. Um, working um, yeah, I was trying to mull it over my head and I was like but wait if you've got more step then you've got more impact but if you're I guess if you're doing it in a nippy kind yeah, of way yeah well, it's, it's it's yeah it's more more steps but lower impact it'll be lower impact more of a pulling snapping motion that, that is helping um and it's yeah it's a, it's a lot more you need to have and that's where like the core strength comes into play because when you're when you start to fatigue your body will overstride and you'll be a bit heavy landing and your upper body won't be as strong. You might have some rotation through your arms um, and all of these things are wasting, you're wasting energy basically. So you want to keep that snappy cadence, keep your body nice and tall whilst you're running. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, you're inevitably going to fatigue, right? So it's like, especially something like a marathon, half marathon, it's going to be very hard to keep everything perfectly yeah. working. And I, I even think about that with some workouts, you know, like when you get these, like as many rounds as possible, or whatever, like, you know, I think, especially if it's something like you're just doing deadlifts or whatever, I'm like, well, by the time I've done like the 20th round of that deadlift, like, yeah, I'm yeah. sure it's not working quite as well as it did in the first place. So it's like, I guess when you can tune into the mechanics of your running, what feels good, you can know when to kind of rein it in if you need to, to be able to have those little resets. And I guess that is also the journey that you take when you take your running training is how far can you go before things don't feel good? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, so the cadence is a really good one in that respect, because when you fatigue your cadence, you can see it like drop. So if I, for example, if I run up a hill, my focus over the top of the hill will be to sustain that turnover. And that's hard at that point because I'm tired and I want to I want to swing my upper body. I want to. But if you can remain in control and kind of almost trust the process of, of saying, right, I'm going to give it one minute. I'm going to keep my legs turning over. My body will be recovered from that hill and I'll, I'd have been staying in control of my technique um, throughout. So that, that means your pace will, will maintain a similar pace as well, um, rather than kind of blow up at the top of the hill. Yeah, nice. And actually that brings us quite nicely onto the balance because it's definitely something I've struggled with. I know a lot of my clients struggle with as well. It's that kind of balance between training, uh, which isn't running, and running training. And um, obviously we see a lot of uh, prevalence of things like HIIT training, um, people are strength training, people doing yoga. And it's just like, where do you find that middle ground between when your running training is most, most efficient and you're finding that perhaps you're getting less injuries? I think um, 
there's a general rule that most of your running should be easy running and by easy a lot of people will be working like as runners people typically work moderate hard and by that I mean like smashing the 5k's like and looking at time okay I was a bit off my PB and always thinking in that respect whereas that session perhaps should have been an easy session not even focused on time but just thinking about that RPE that the exertion um the rate of perceived exertion so they say 80 percent of your miles should be easy which is quite a lot of miles and and actually if you look at um your intensity a lot of people probably don't hit that at all they're probably hitting moderate hard for 80 percent and 20 percent is if that is easy maybe the warm-up the first part um and people would be surprised what easy should be if you've got like heart rate data and, and whatnot so i think i think the main thing is the quality first of all the quality of the running here in terms of like balancing like the the training if you're getting the quality of the run correct you'll you'll be able to run more and if you're wanting to run like running obviously gives you something run you want to run so i think first of all to balance your training um make sure that you're doing the volume and the intensities correctly um and then you can work in alongside smaller doses perhaps if you're a runner you your mobility work and your strength work i think a lot of people when they hear that they think that strength mobility it's like four to five times one hour per week but actually for me it's the smaller bits on a daily basis that will help like for example when like speaking to you um before we started i was i I did a run about an hour ago so like as part of my recovery, it's stretching my calves, my Achilles and spending some time in there. So, so actually making it part of my working day um, whilst chatting, you know, you can do a lot from, from your desk, you know, so you don't necessarily need to be doing like extra, like four to five times one hour of strength and mobility. It's just making it accessible on a regular a bit more. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, I'm hugely about that as well, just kind of bringing in movement into your day to day, because if you kind of counterbalance what you're doing, sitting at our desk, for instance, versus however long we spend working out, it's very, very small, really. So actually what we're doing at that, in that timing, if we can start to bring it into our days, taking stretches throughout the days, bringing like some squatting whilst you're doing laptop, you know, work or anything like that, it's really, really um, useful. I actually spoke to an athlete a while ago and he, I think he was a hurdler or something, and he was doing doing a lot of um kind of core rehab prehab and glute prehab and it was all those kind of boring exercises the bridges the bird dogs the um dead bugs and all of those things which you if you went to a physio they would probably give you um if you speak to a lot of runners they're probably doing it as quite a foundational part of their training and I said to him I was just like god don't you find it really boring like I, I really try to do these things within my training this is a while back and um, I find that I get quite bored, so I don't keep it up. And he said, what I know is that when I do these kind of accessory-based uh, things that I need to, I don't get injured. So yeah. he's like, that's enough for me to do it. And he was saying, like, same sort of principle as you. It's not, it's not an hour worth of those, those activities. It's literally doing, like, 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. And I do think a lot of the time, myself included, we can get quite um, wrapped up in the idea, like, I either will work out because I'm going to work out for like an hour or you're like, oh, okay, well, I just won't do it. Whereas actually it would be way better to do those little nonsense. Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. I've been doing 
um you know even like desk chair mobility i've been doing a few different sessions like that lately and i've been working with some different corporates um just make it part of your working day like you, you mentioned like the the glute bridges and the the dead bugs and stuff like that even like cleaning your i i generally most days i'll do one minute stand on one leg one minute stand on the other um you know holding your posture up to and what that would do is get everything switched on pretty much like you'll you'll awaken your body your feet and up your kinetic chain um your glute your you know your core you'll be aware of your posture um and that's that's an easy one that you can do every day easy like two lots or two minute on each leg and that balance is is going to be a, a useful addition to your day so yeah i would definitely say that don't feel like you have to do what you just mentioned um like an hour or, or whatnot just make it accessible and and use um the um your the, the athlete you were speaking about the hurdler use that as inspiration because if he's saying that you know he does it because he it helps him not get injured he's an athlete and he's simplifying it as well he's not saying that you need to do like you know all this all these hours use it and use it as a tool to to keep your body strong for the for the road because the running is the is the thing that you enjoy the most that's for me so definitely use that as as motivation yeah and i think it's important i think um it's something i've touched on before with people but it's like that idea of a lot of people get injured well we, we blame running i think we blame running so i think I, you know, way back when I was trying to run a marathon, I was just like, oh, it's running. It's really like jamming my knee up and it doesn't feel good. So I just won't do it. And I blame you kind of scapegoat running, being like running was what it did. You know, that's what happened. But I think now looking back, it's so much more about the biomechanic build up and how you're moving, how you're running. What are you doing elsewhere? Yeah. Are you doing strength training in things like your glutes and your core to support that training and really at the time I, I wasn't doing as much as I needed to and it's just I think running is actually just what compounds a lot of issues so then people go to physios or they get injured and they kind of I can't run anymore and sometimes it really pisses me off at physios also can obviously there's some people that there are huge you know if you've had a huge surgery and they said to you specifically running is not going to be your journey anymore i'm not saying don't listen to that but there's a lot of cases where actually you probably can run again maybe you need to take it slowly maybe you need to do a lot of the work behind that running which means that the proportion of your time spent running right now is smaller but i just think it's so sad to take what you said like if something like you love like ben loves running why would you ever take that away from someone? Yeah, completely. Yeah. And it's about, um, yeah, yeah. Just doing the right bits alongside it. Like you've obviously experienced that recently and, and done a really um, great program of work, like to build up to, to that running and that feeling once you're back running is it, it, it probably was one of the best feelings I'd imagine for yeah, you. Mentally as well. And I think that, um, obviously we some you know we do it for a cardio benefit or whatever but i think mentally it was always an escape and it was something i didn't ever really need to run for the mileage or for yeah. um, ticking off distances or races obviously that's a nice part of it but i think that for me i was just like especially if i'd had a bad day what a nice thing to be able to do and for me i'm such a nature bunny as well so i was just like me getting out especially by the river when i used to live in putney i was just like this is the dream like oh my yeah. god like wind in my hair river next to me and it's a uh, it's something and you know you obviously get such a huge huge buzz off of that so mm. it's important that people have that in their lives if they want that 
I think the thinking for me is to get fit to run rather than run to get fit is a really important one to be thinking about. Um, and that's like a prime example of your um, rehab from your rock climbing injury of actually thinking about the body, about the mechanics of running. I'm going to get strong to be able to perform those movements rather than a lot of the mistakes people make, um, you know, just running to lose weight or to, to get fit, but just flipping it on its head. And essentially, like I was thinking in my head, I was like, if you're going to run to lose weight, then there's a lot of other things you could do that isn't running to lose weight. You know, there's uh, quite a few yeah. of them about modalities that will help. And I think that's, um, again, something I circle back to a lot and probably you do as well. It's just that kind of, it's not about burning calories because actually if you were going to be burning calories, then, then exercise is not the most efficient way to be doing that anyway. Like you'd be better to balance out your calorie intake and all the rest of it. Andy was really very solid about that. Andy Vincent, who I'll definitely get back on the podcast. Um, he was just like, why would you waste your time? Like, if you're worried about the calories, then, you know, it's not an efficient way of doing it. Yeah, something like yeah. running, for instance. Um, so, yeah, no, I think that's that's super cool. Um, so, um, yeah, so it's nice to hear your, your, in, in, uh, your kind of uh, take on the balance between the running and the gym work. And um, I guess what the areas of particular focus we've touched on a little bit but uh what would you say your main things that you're like without a shadow of a doubt this week in training i need to make sure i cover because that's what helps me to run better um for me um achilles like um i in lockdown one last july i picked up an achilles injury which i've never experienced and i actually put it down to the fact that i was based at home i wasn't on my feet so much um, you know, walking around London and everything like that. And I was still doing a lot of miles and actually a fair bit more volume perhaps than I would have been pre-lockdown. So I was running most days and I went out for a, a run and I felt sharp pain that I've never had. I stopped, tried to run again and it was there and worse. And I was like, oh no, this isn't good. So two or three weeks off and, it, and I tried to run again, having done like stretching and strength work. And I got a sharp pain 400 meters into the run. And then I just I had a few more weeks off and then was doing all the right stuff. And then one minute running, two minute walking times six was where I was at. And I and I, the first session, I think, was OK. And then I built it up back back up. So for me, it's the Achilles is is, is something I'm always more aware of at the, now. So I'm doing a lot of like calf raises, eccentric loading stretching strength work so with the calf raise by eccentric it's like you go onto one foot and then go as slow as you can on the way back down um so exercise exercise like that but also things like skipping as well so that's the the um uh area i'm quite uh, conscious of at the moment to to it's always a first thought for me after running my first thought is preparing for my next run so like like getting the work the, the stretching in and you know i always like cold like i like a cold bath in the evening um uh, and I, yeah and um but yeah that's something i'm i'm and it's something that your your body is it's an important one to focus on which perhaps i wasn't focused on pre-injury you know you learn you learn from your injury experiences Absolutely. And I guess training is so individual to each person. Each person has got different things going on with their body, but something that I've definitely found as a consistent throughout when I've been talking to runners or running training is that strong glutes, yeah. calves, we definitely ignore. I personally definitely ignore yeah, yeah, them for a yeah. long time. And when I was doing my uh, rehab work, we did a lot of calf work and it was yeah 
quite high um high repetition yeah, and it yeah. was the point where we built the weight up as well so doing things like calf races with your body weight first and then doing multiple rounds so my, my trainer would get me to do like 30 reps three rounds over of just body weight calf races or whatever and um there was one point boring. Where, it's boring isn't it it's not fun. I feel like it's something that you could do when you listen to a podcast or watching TV yeah, or something. Yeah. Or actually, like what you said, perfect. Like I brought one of those um, half foam roller things, but you yeah. easily do it on like a block or whatever else you've got. And I would just do it whilst I was answering my emails because I was just like, it is really boring. But it's, um, I think when you do start to focus, you realize how much you don't necessarily have the endurance there. Yeah, and yeah. what my physio, um, my trainer uh, explained to me, she was just like, the calves take your shock absorption and because we were obviously working on my foot mechanics from my foot injury it was just so important to get that all together and obviously that completely relates to the achilles as well and um yeah i really hadn't factored that in and um but it's savage the burn is mean like i she, she made me do this like capacity test one time and it was like how many can you can you do back to back and my poor little leg was like shaking by the end of it but what, just body weight or it was body weight, but it yeah. was like, how many consecutively could you do? You just made me do the same for single leg glutes. And it was just savage because the worst thing is you do it on one leg and be like, oh, I did like 40 or something. And then she'd be like, good, I've got to do it on the other leg to see yeah. how much your capacity on the other leg is. It and feels like it's doing something productive though, doesn't it? You mentioned like the capacity and the, you didn't feel like the endurance was quite there. But over time of practicing it, the burn is still the same, but it feels like you're, you're doing something productive. And I've quite enjoyed that process. Yeah, and I think like it makes total sense when someone said to you, okay, your calves are what take the shock absorbency, then why on earth as runners did we forget to, or personally, yeah. I forget to train your calves? And I think it's always been um, an afterthought, much like things like ankle mobility and foot mobility. It's an afterthought, unfortunately, yeah. but what's the first thing touching the ground? Are yeah, we? exactly. Exactly. It's the, um, you know, like the Achilles is like a springboard for your, um, you know, it's, it's a spring, isn't it? You know, and if it's if it's is it elasticated, if it's like strong and um, you know, and that comes from the calf, the soleus muscle at the bottom. If you can get that nice and strong, it's going to give you much more propulsion to to be a stronger and more efficient runner. Okay, guys, just for a moment, we're going to take a little break there. Today, I'd like to talk to you about the Move Your Soul membership. How we move and how we think influences every single aspect of our lives, from how we interact with ourselves and others to how our mind and body feels at home and at work. Have you found that you've fallen out of love with working out and like you're always getting injured? Maybe you've lost that connection to your mind and body or that you can't really find your flow in your training and you need a little bit more direction to keep you consistent. Then the Move Your Soul online membership is just for you. It's a library of on-demand videos from myself and other experts in the field designed to help you establish a more conscious way to move, breathe and flow with life. The Move Your Soul membership is a large selection of on-demand videos with everything from breathwork, meditation, yoga, strength, animal flow, and mobility. You can use the code Move Your Soul Podcast at the checkout, all in capitals, to get your first month free today. Simply go to moveyoursoul.co. Thanks for listening. Now back to the learning. Yeah, and I guess that's where you could bring in the idea for any listeners, like the idea of specificity as well, because what you might need is a sprinter compared to what you need to run a marathon it's going to be different right yeah but if you can think yeah exactly but if you can think similar you know if you think of the amount of like load that a sprinter puts through that over a short period it's going to be probably quite a similar um 
you know, you should be thinking in a similar way to a marathon. It's a consistent, very repetitive movement, but obviously the sprinter is, is super high impact and that's just a long, repetitive kind of impact. Um, and, and obviously, well, sprinters would do a lot of jumping, a lot of bounds, a lot of drills and everything like that. So, um, yeah. yeah. And I think something I didn't really necessarily factor in was that, um, like, ankle mobility. Obviously, if we spend all day kind of just standing and not stretching our calf, for instance, the two-minute cute calf stretch that I used to do after my run, it's probably not going to have that much of an impact because you're – the rest of your day you are not doing that calf stretch so it's like the idea of like going and doing more walks up hills or mm -hmm. you know spending your day stretching kind of frequently and often and getting those like we said things into your day but something like the calf raises is perfect for getting full range as well whilst yep. you're doing it so i think um i know myself included back a while ago like i would just always constantly think just stretching but actually we've served to gain so much from doing things like strength training from the end range of motion and loading through that range. Um, and I was just like, Oh, no way. Like when I'm doing all this calf raises, my ankles are getting much nicer as well, because yeah. I'm actually actively putting them through that, um, that training. So yeah. it's amazing what you can do from very small movements, how much they'll bet they can feel beneficial. And I'm not, you can just feel areas working that, don't really work like your shin muscles if you do hill walks you know like you, you, if you try this where you're um even just like five steps forward and you're literally just walking on your heels you need to make sure your core is active so you're, you haven't got a and like a pelvic tilt you you want to be strong and stable there and you'll feel your shin muscles like all the muscles around the top of your shin really working and those are areas that are going to help to support that lower limb because that lower limb as we're talking takes a lot of the battering when running is taking all of the load you know shin is huge and i think that, again it's something that i really haven't necessarily focused on a lot in training and i think even even you spending a bit of time trying to lift your toes towards your, your knees yeah yeah you, you can feel that burn right because you're not necessarily used to that capacity you know it's very interesting i think particularly from what i've learned about the foot mechanics from my injury it's just like like what you said those small things like toe mobility exercises even doing them something like the shower every morning yeah or when you're doing toe mobility or a bit of you know rolling on a lacrosse ball or a spiky ball all those things before your training i think once you start getting in tune with that and yeah you can start to put it into your day which i think is a really awesome way to do it because it makes it less like arduous but even if you can get to a point where you're doing a little bit of that work before your runs or before your strength training i noticed such a huge difference and like my my brain was connecting to those parts of my body yep, way yep. more yep. and you just become much more aware so like mm. things like is my big toe really pushing through the ground is my little toe and my heels yeah. engaged and i think whether if you don't necessarily consciously spend the time working on those things connecting with what's going on then you are just kind of hoping for the best when you're going for your run yeah 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 and you're not yeah like you say there's no better feeling than when you're kind of connecting to those areas and you're noticing what's happening up that chain yeah. and you obviously experienced that a lot with what you would have done i'm sure in, I mean, what was the first part of your session? And um, what was like the first session? Was it a test or anything like that with your with your rehab? The first one back from foot surgery. Yeah, it was just. Yeah. I mean, it was literally just like looking how I was walking and yeah. like things like the capacity tests and um, yeah, I think it was just very interesting because 
I mean, I guess when we go running, we just kind of want to go running, have a nice time running, whatever. And so it depends how geeky you want to get on these things. But in terms of injury prevention, knowing how much it connects all the way up the chain. So from toe all the way up the back of the calf, hamstring, glutes, back body, core, and even across the sling of the body from the hip to the opposite shoulder, those sorts of things I really hadn't focused on. And I think a lot of my physio training was to do with um, working on core stability as well. So working on making sure that like what you said, when I'm running, I'm not just swinging my arms about yeah. and, you know, it's, uh, we did also, I mean, I couldn't run at the time. So it was going from not being able to run to doing a kind of three month program to be able to sprint and sprint up hills and stuff. And so it, it was a really big learning curve, but a lot of the stuff like we've been talking about is not glamorous or sexy mm. stuff. It's, uh, mm. calf raises, glute yeah. work, strengthening, yeah. hip extensions and yeah. yeah so, uh, but that makes the running much better. It's a nice way to, um, yeah, thinking of like really building that strength from the base upwards. That's what you've done. And then to, to the point where you can sprint up hills and feel good and strong. And do you know what? Even funnily enough, like a pelvic floor for guys mm. and girls, like it's affected by your foot. So it's like your pelvic floor is connected to your diaphragm, your breathing, every, everything is part of one, right? And I think as trainers, myself included, we're so focused on different isolated muscle groups when actually it's just one large fascia that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. Thing. so then it's like um you really have to really notice what is going on from from you know bottom to top and um yeah it's it's been definitely interesting and even from the point now that i'm pregnant it's that single leg balance work that you have to do in running a lot of the time because I don't think I even kind of thought about it really that much before I got injured. I'd be like, of course you spend all of the time on one leg. Mm-hmm. You're like little flamingos. <laughs> and even when you're walking and um, I've read a lot about uh, kind of just, you know, the idea of the walking more and just kind of getting back to your primal roots or whatever. And just, can you walk to start off with? Well, because if you're not walking well and your hips aren't stable when you're walking yep. and they're sure it's not going to be good when yep. you're running. Yep. So it, it was good to rein it all the way back and just have that foundation in place, whether for running or for pregnancy, it's, it's, it's a, it's a strong place to start. And those, I think like what we talked about previously, you don't realize how much you really love all these things. I mean, we know we love running, but I think until you get injured and then you realize how much it sucks when you can't mm-hmm. do it, but then you have the interest in what you have got in, you know, injured in, and you know how to prevent these injuries happening, happening in the future. Yep. Yeah. That's definitely been a good blessing for me, like understanding and thinking more biomechanically um, about the body, about what it's actually doing when running, about the movement, about the foot, the Achilles, everything all the way up. Yeah. Big, big stuff. Um, yeah. And so I mean, you must actually see it a lot because you work with uh, marathon runners, um, hopefully not your specific clients too much, but um, common running injuries, like we hear about them quite a lot. What are those ones that you're finding that you, you see a lot come up? I think um, shin splints, um, which is a really common one, Achilles tendonitis, runner's knee, hip injuries. I think those, I would say those are the, the, few, the, the main ones that I tend to see um and yeah i think i think a lot of it can be down to all of the stuff that we're talking about here like you know if if it's a hip injury are you able to you know stand on one leg and take your knee up towards your chest pull it take your hip into flexion can you do 
Can you take it into extension? You know, have you got that range of motion, that end of re end range strength to allow you to do the movements? It's a constant movement of flexion and extension. And if you don't have that, then maybe you're going to pick up an injury because of that. Um, you know, and the glutes as well. We're talking about the glutes. That's going to give you a good sounding board for strength and stability and um, as well. So those, I think those are the common ones I tend to hear about. The shin splints, Achilles, um, runner's knee and like hip injuries. Mm -hmm. um, what about you? Interesting, isn't it? Because I think like some things we don't even relate to to running like you could be like oh my neck was really jammed up when i went for a run the other day and it, it again is the kinetic chain yeah. or linking and just coming out in different areas of the body and i think it's interesting where you go to the physio and they're like oh what hurts like your right shoulder let me just look at your, like left hip and whatever and we'll, we'll see how it how it syncs up and um yeah injuries are a really good way of learning because you get to learn about what's happening in your body what the imbalances are in your body um, but then I guess a lot of this as well still comes down to specificity because if you're training for running, which I found actually interesting, they were talking about how much, I can't remember what their figure was. It was like, you should be able to carry 1.5 times your weight or something on your single leg, because mm -hmm. that's basically what you would be able to, you, you will be going through when you're taking, when you're running and the force that your, your uh, leg will have to take. Um, but then also a lot of our training we were doing was kind of half squats and like not necessarily full range. So I'm coming from someone who's really like mobility and yoga. I'm like, oh, it's all about the single leg squats, like all the way down. But it wasn't, I, they, they were very good at focusing very specifically on my single leg. What happens when I just go down to even my hip coming as, to my knee height or just above my knee height? and what is going on with my knee and my foot and my hip at that time and um a lot of it came down to things like glute media strength so obviously it's a huge stabilizer of our hip and just even knowing and becoming aware that is your when you're doing a single leg squat are you finding or even normal squats are you finding your knees going in a little bit mm -hmm. that could point is a lot of different things it could point to but something like your glute medius will be helpful for helping that help, it. Help us yeah. balance and stabilize so it's um I think even taking videos of yourself doing your movements, your certain movements that you're doing, because not everyone has the luxury of a trainer, right? So even that kind of self-inquisition and exploration, I think is really important because it's, I think what Andy Vincent said as well, which I thought was a really good thing to say is um, he was talking about outsourcing your fitness to other people. And I, th I agree, like, you know, it's very easy for me to be like, I'll pay a trainer and it's on them to yep. train me and I'll pay my physio. And actually, I found it quite hard to keep my physio programming up post having those sessions at the gym because it was easier just to like turn up and let someone like make me do whatever. And I think as a society, we just have got used to outsourcing our mm. fitness and our health. And I think it's very important to have that time where you are consciously focusing on what's going on with your mind what's going on with your body how are you moving and you probably get a few more answers than you realize i um i think something like video of how you're squatting how you're doing movements like that is definitely a useful thing or even standing one leg taking your knee up towards your chest um and you can you probably will be able to just spot certain mechanics or certain areas that you could be lacking efficiency or or perhaps, you know, like your knees um, caving in when you're running or 
things like that as well. Um, and I think it's a it's a good way to definitely monitor and measure um, how you're performing whilst you're whilst you're running. Yeah, and huge things like even when I've spoken to people before about walking gates, like even videoing yourself walking and slowing it right down. It's mm. fascinating to see what is happening to your ankle. What is happening to your foot? Is it rolling in? Is it rolling out? We need a certain amount of that happening, but you might be able to see some sort of, you know, over-exaggerated version of that happening. And um, I think it's funny because we sometimes don't realize, a lot of the time we don't realize. Like I would say to my clients, your knees tracking inwards, we need it to push outwards. Can you just put, you know, kind of create that connection? And maybe it's much more neuromuscular mm. or whatever, but, um, it's interesting because you think that you're doing it don't you you're like yeah. oh, I'm running I'm trying to run how you're telling me to with my foot underneath my hip and I'm kicking my heels back or whatever but um I think until you see a video of yourself doing it one of the things and I know you um wear them as well I believe the Vivio barefoot yeah. as well and I think that's something that I when I was doing the um after injury I started wearing I feel like that helped me to be a bit more present with the way that I was walking around perhaps be aware of my posture but also help to strengthen my feet strengthen from the bottom up just by walking because I'm getting a full range of motion and everything's starting to work a bit better perhaps so I, I generally walk in the barefoot shoes I don't run in them but I use them as a tool to help me be aware because yeah. that, that's that's like that's half the battle we're not often aware when we're standing we might be leaning over you know and that might be creating we love to cock a hip out just like it's just a natural tendency how we stand and even through things like pregnancy or you know you're holding your kid and it's on you you to hold it on one side we just pick up these things and even standing like when you text your friend like just quickly check in like what how am i standing am i really leaning on one leg yeah do i constantly cross my legs because that's something again women do a lot of and it's just like since someone said it to me like way back when being like well when you're crossing your legs you're making your pelvis really imbalanced and if you're doing that every day yeah, probably yeah. you're doing it exactly one leg, one leg than the other even simple changes like that and yeah i think the barefoot shoes are fab like you have to be um mindful about you transitioning into them right so some people um want to go from not wearing them to running in them and i think that yeah. that's just a chaos waiting to happen because your body's not used to it mm-hmm. um so i think and actually, even in my physio, they did make me wear supportive shoes because they were like, your arches aren't strong enough yet to be able to support the movements we want you to do. So we do need a bit of support. Eventually, you can try and work towards the barefoot. But um, so I, would, I wouldn't say it's necessary for everyone, but I think definitely walking. Just a little bit, like even just like 10, you know, 10 minutes here and there walking in them, definitely. Or but yeah being barefoot and like I do a lot of training in barefoot or like you know yoga in barefoot and that's when we do find that connection much better like what you said I love the way you said it was like you you become more present Mm -hmm. just understand I think you get that feedback that the shoes don't let us have the shoes feel like and I think it was funny going from my training at the gym in these kind of like my old-fashioned running trainers to then going and putting my barefoot on because I'd be like wow it feels like I'm literally wearing a boxing glove like on my foot when I'm doing it and I think from you know the neuromuscular connection from foot and getting you know to the brain is so big yeah it's fascinating documentary actually the other day it was called Rising Phoenix and there was a there was like about the Paralympics have you seen it I haven't no is it Netflix 
uh, yeah, it's Netflix. Daisy Hughes, I just had her on and she recommended it. It's fabulous. And it's um, just incredible stories about the Paralympians. And one of them was an archer, but he had no arms. And so all of his work was done with his mouth and his foot to to shoot. And he said it was something phenomenal. He was like the area of the brain that was controlled by that controls the foot is normally like a pea size, but for him it's like a baseball size because wow. he just spent so long on his feet. But they say like actually we're learning more and more. The feet are the number one source for our body yeah. of learning. You know, yeah. Yeah. learning. So something like the barefoot shoes are perfect for and it, to do that. And it's probably the the although you're saying it's the number one, it's probably also the number one thing that people don't think to train or focus on or activate and yeah and I think that that's where the barefoot shoes quite nice because you can't really get away with going to to the gyms without shoes on especially not COVID times yeah yeah um so it's like if you've got that um the barefoot shoes they're kind of a nice little entry to just even noticing that like you're even from going from a normal shoe to going to those shoes you'll put them on and be like whoa yeah yeah (laughs) it takes a little bit of getting used to but after time like it's it like i say although obviously walking's great it feels like it's a it's a you're it's walking on step it's giving your body a bit more than just walking and it's going back to nature which is i always think this is where we go around and surround circles we're always like like even things at the moment that we're preaching about in the exercise like movement world it's like yeah yeah, that's how we normally did it we just got very confused along the way putting all these like you know crazy things in it but um yeah I just think like little and often with those shoes because you'd be surprised like I think one time I wore my barefoot shoes and I hadn't been walking as much and I went on a longer one and I was like wow I can really feel it jacking into my hips and you know my my arches are really achy and I think so just kind of that mindful approach and like little and often with those uh, yeah yeah I'm on the (laughs) video awesome um yeah so mobility definitely covered in terms of like obviously ankles and I guess hips, obviously, as well. Yep, yep, hips, yeah. So you can do, like, the test, the squat test for the ankles of, like, kind of hanging out in a squat. And you can take a picture or a video and see what's happening. Like, is your knee caving in? Is your, you know, one foot going out wider than the other? And that's something that you can then proactively perhaps work on on a day-to-day. You know, can you can you bring it into a bit more of, a, of symmetry on, on both sides? that there's that test of the hip one as well where you're standing on one leg and you're just lifting up your knee are you comfortable holding it for like 15 20 seconds um yeah th- those are those are like hips and and things like lunges squats exercises like that are going to help to strengthen and keep you keep you strong in those kind of movements as well and you mentioned as well the spine the thoracic spine if you're if you're a bit stiff if you if you sit down all day hunched over and you just go out and run you know, you might be tight through your thoracic spine and that's going to like affect the way that you're moving. You might be a bit restricted and it can then have a knock on effect on other areas. So yeah. it's not just the obvious ones, I guess, when it comes to mobility, thinking of the body as one, which it is. Um, there's no like, for me with, with it, there's no, it's not like there's one thing that fixes everything. It should be like thinking of your body as one, thinking of, of training it as one as training it as one 360 approach to all areas of your body yeah huge and that's i think where it comes even with things like are you training multi-directional and i you yeah. could argue that actually runners you do spend a lot of time going forward yeah. um but you know if you could if you need to make a quick 
turning if you want to yeah. like you know um yeah change that direction can you do that so maybe even factoring some of that training in is uh, but yeah if you're if you're just going um forwards like working through a lateral plane of movement is going to kind of overload your body and build additional strength for that forward movement and should be even stronger yeah. in the sagittal like movement plane yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um okay awesome uh for someone who's just started out running they haven't quite found their flow with it what would your advice be okay so i think with this i would say enjoyment is key here you know a lot of people when they start out running it might be the couch to 5k app perhaps um I, I think the the one bit of advice i would be is don't pressure yourself to think that to be a runner you need to be able to run for 30 minutes to to be a runner you just you can run you know for a minute and then walk for a couple of, like bring it right back to run walking um you know that like the couch to 5k is a great app to do that because it is progressive over a course of i think nine weeks um so not quite find found their flow i would just say strip it back maybe listen to a podcast um or you know something like that where you're just out and, and thinking about just enjoying the freedom that running brings you rather than stressing about times about splits about pbs I think that I feel like a lot of people go a 360 or I'd like to think they do. They, they get into running, they become a little bit obsessive over time and getting PBs. Then sometimes they lose motivation because they don't constantly hit those and they won't. And then they perhaps give up or they go the opposite way and just go for enjoying it and not really thinking about that, that stuff. So I think data as well. Um, don't, don't kind of obsess over the data it's easy yeah. to do that yeah i think that's important i think that that's again going back to that idea of just like running free like you know i um i was vehemently against watches and my doctor was like you have to, you have to get a heart rate monitor but i just was like you know what i just love the feeling of going out running and i think that if you can embrace that music is really nice as well like you said podcast mm. music's like something that you know helps you get going a little bit and i think also just like yeah that non-attachment to how long you went for yeah 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 completely completely like i really learned that from that injury because when I went out and tried to run and got to five minutes and got that really sharp pain, um, you know, when I was then getting back into it and, and embracing the couch to 5k, I was, I ran for probably a total of six minutes, one minute on two minutes off times six, you know, and I got back and I was buzzing. And then, then I re realized that strip it back. Don't pressure yourself for times, for distances, for this, that, and the other, just, just run, walk. Like there's no, there's no, you know just enjoy it because if you're not enjoying it, it's not going to be sustainable exactly and literally no one is watching you you don't have to yeah. check out strava you don't have to tell anyone about it exactly enjoy yeah. it um and then i guess like i i just had this one actually and i was like interestingly enough like obviously you're going to become a dad soon uh, yeah. so i'm interested in how i guess that can even falter into the um the question of how you can find your flow with it is how do you fit it into your day-to-day -day life and you know people who are parents or people who are working crazy office jobs like how do you think that they would be able to be more uh, efficient with when they run how they fit that into their schedules mm. for me i think i've always worked to prioritize movement or running as a tool that will 
that will help my work. I think if you think about it like that, um, like if I, for example, if I've got a lot on my mind with work or ideas that I want to kind of like digest, I'll go out and run and I'll come back and I'll be a bit clearer and have more clarity. So treat it, think of it as part of your working day. Um, and also with the commute thing, can you get it into your commute? I, I quite often do. I call it the rucksack commute. So I, um, or the rucksack run. Um, so I, so I get off, I sometimes would get off a station early, a couple of stations early and just use it as a, uh, and run uh, part of the route or just, just run the route. You know, it's like maybe an extra 20 minutes, but what it gives you in terms of like the clarity, the might, the mindfulness, how I feel afterwards I'm, I'm so ready for the rest of my day once it's, I've done the run yeah and it's that added smugness I mean I guess you get it from cycling as well I just would love the idea of like you know especially if you cycle you, you would regularly beat the time of your yeah exactly usually yeah and um you just like it was like kind of like knowing that whatever you do with your running or or, uh, cycling you're probably going to be able to stick to a similar time whereas if you're getting on you know traffic or trains there's no real guarantee of that time and i guess the not like the thing is just making sure if you are going into an office just knowing if you have a kind of setup maybe you can pop into your gym for a shower or you know if they've got showers in your offices or something but that is a nice way of kind of getting into your day and i think particularly in the morning if you can if you do it beforehand sometimes you forget that you've even done it you're like yeah. oh yeah great I've already trained and yeah. I feel like that also opens up a whole evening because I do feel I see it from my husband going to and from work I just like if you come back and then you're running or you know by the time you've traveled home then you get running one you're probably less likely to do it because it's very hard to get back out when you come back in yeah, from yeah. work obviously slightly different right now but um also it just takes up your whole evening if you're you know by the time you warmed up by the time you go out come out have dinner or whatever so if you can start to work it into lunch breaks or you know before work i think that's pretty, pretty yeah nice. beat the bus beat the bus commute yeah love it <laughs> <laughs> okay last couple of questions thank you so much for your time um top resources you found helpful for your learning um so this is something that i i need to get back on a little bit to be honest i'm work. i think i'm going to book up level four strength and conditioning this month actually um and that's something I'll, I'll look forward to embracing um but for me i i feel like um i'm constantly on youtube and uh and social and i i i find that some some great tools and great trainers and people out there that i really embrace but in terms of actual learning i do need to to get back on it and um, i'm looking forward to starting um the level four strength and conditioning um i i love watching you know performance stuff on youtube on you know everything like that so i'm a bit of a geek in that respect but um yeah so that's something that you saying that has uh, i need to get back on the the learning stuff (laughs) i feel like you're quite good at this this side Uh. of things you're studying aren't you well, kind of, yeah. I guess I'm. I mean, recently, not as much <laughs> doing all the platforms and stuff like that. But um, I think I, I, I'm actually currently studying something called movement mapping at the moment with Justin Wolfer, and he's uh, he's talking about the kind of neural pathways and how basically what we've been talking a lot about is stuff like yeah. brain body connection. But um, I don't even think it necessarily needs to be in the form of a course or you know yeah. anyone out there who's just a little bit interested in you know what would make me run better. There's so many amazing. Yeah, 
in terms of books. And um, I also think, like what you said, there's a lot of people putting a lot of great content on things like mm-hmm. YouTube. You can see, you know, top trainers who are training top athletes and they're giving away their, you know, little secrets of like what they're up to. Um, particularly in COVID as well, I think that there's been a need for, you know, for instance, with climbing, Shauna Coxie is like, our go-to GP girl and she has been putting some of her training online because she wants to keep her community connected and so looking at those people that you admire Rick yeah. Ross Rick Roll even I know does like a ton of those sort of um podcasts and yeah yeah yep. huge resources out books there. for me I'm always generally reading a running book uh currently reading Born to Run oh yeah my husband loves that book yeah I need to get I need to get into it a bit more I think um and the other one I read, um, which I've got, is like my Bible. Um, I can't remember what it's called now, annoyingly. It's a, it's a fantastic book. You'll absolutely love it. I'll, I'll send you... Um, Please I'll do, and I'll put it in the show notes afterwards. Yeah, yeah, I'll send... It's a, it's Honestly, it's literally... A, you will love the book. It's such an incredible book. It gets you really thinking. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Cool. And if anyone is struggling with something like a foot injury or ankle, and they do want to get a bit uh, sciencey, I'm not saying you have to go whole hog. I know that obviously Ben and I are very in this world, so we find this stuff we love geeking out about it. And you don't have to always go down the whole rabbit hole with this stuff. There's things like those books, like Born to Run. Um, there's a good book called Running from Injuries by Paul Harbour, which is all about these kind of running injuries that we had. Uh, spoken about so there's there's ways that you can go in but I was studying uh from someone called Gary Ward who again Andy Vincent uh has been working with as well and it's he's got a book called What the Foot and it's one of those ones where you read and you're literally like mind blown because you're like oh my god how and like it kind of it's funny as a fitness professional to go through because it does contradict quite a lot of the stuff that we have learned along the way but I guess that is the beauty of the jobs that we do is that it's constantly evolving and we have to evolve with it so Hmm. um, yeah it's um a lot of the these books are about like you know comparing western world to you know to um non-western or you know like in places like africa where a lot of the time some some areas deprived areas you might be walking around barefoot you know having to commute with like a big you know thing on your head so you're really having to be aware of your posture really building that strength versus the western world and we compare why they don't perhaps get injuries where we do because they're super strong doing those ridiculous commutes with what you know that weight on their head versus where we're walking to the car driving to the train getting the train to work sitting in an office all down coming home being all stiff then running then coming back then sitting you know it's a great like the the book I'm talking about it's a really good book and um yeah (laughs) we look forward to to hearing (laughs) um okay quick fire round questions then we'll finish up super quick um favorite mentor coach or inspiration I think for me on that one I'd probably I'd have to say uh I'd probably have to say the body coach Joe Wicks just because I, I used to um I used to work with Joe and I think um I've been inspired a lot by what he's done yeah and that's part of my journey coming back into um from working with Egypt working in Egypt I came back and kind of I'm glad that I got a position to work there and I worked there for a a couple of years because it refound my 
it, it kind of set me back on the right track to getting back into working in fitness in the UK. Um, so I think I've always been inspired by his work. Like it's just a simple, simple message and reaching out to a lot of people. Yeah, he's fab. And I think also the wonderful thing about what he's doing is he's yeah, simplified it to make it not scary. And, you know, it can be one of those overwhelming things. It's nice to have someone who kind of makes it simpler and um, for kids and, and, you know, teens and stuff, which I think, I mean, you've said that you've done some YouTube as well in the past with their um, kind of young, young kids. And um, it's, uh, it's important to be able to keep them fit and active. And then, you know, if they learn to do that, then, um, you can, uh, then it's, it's, uh, it's an important thing. So uh, last couple, uh, have you got a habit or ritual that you do daily or most days that you swear by? Yeah, I think for me, I always, most days I do have a I have a cold bath in the evening. Um, so yeah, I do that. I do do that most days. And that basically helps me to, it energizes me for the rest of the day. So I love it. I sit in like for like 10, 15 minutes um, and then get out and I feel really like chilled. <laughs> nice <laughs> literally um but no it energized me and it encouraged me to then do a bit of a mobility session and i just it just finishes the day better like yeah, I'll, I'll, i'll yeah to be fair you said i'm sorry to interrupt you i was just saying like i actually would always have thought about doing it in the morning but i read something recently or i was listening to something and it was like actually the evening ones are really good for even yeah. just um bringing your core temperature down and yeah better state to go to bed yeah but it just it just in like it motivates me to be better and the like do better like if i'm like read you know just chill like switch the phone off it motivates me to continue to try and be better for the rest of the evening yeah um, nice. yeah yeah it's daisy's response daisy actually said her uh, her habit and ritual she does daily is um cold water therapy yeah yeah last one um what's your favorite way to move your soul I probably can guess yeah yeah running running is the one for me you know if I'm whatever I'm feeling it like it will help that like I always think about first lockdowns feeling really frazzled like a bit like everyone like what what is going on but I knew that I was only you know 45 minutes or an hour of running away from a completely different feeling and it's so true you know whatever you're feeling right now if you're feeling anxious stressed like you can't beat a good run so for me my favorite way to move my soul is running Amazing. Yeah, it was super cool. I could have probably predicted that it was going to be running, <laughs> but I love it. And that's why it's been so useful to have you on. It's been so great to talk to you about all things running. I think obviously running is such an accessible thing for most of us to be able to do, particularly in lockdown. So I really appreciate all of your little pockets of knowledge that you shared with us. It's been so great to have you on the Move Your Soul podcast. Thanks for joining us, Ben. Um, last thing, where can people find you? Uh, so on um, Instagram, uh, it's my handle is Move with Ben, and that's where I uh, post on my YouTube as well. Move with Ben on YouTube. Awesome! Thank you so much, Ben. Thank you, and I, I very much look forward to hearing the rest of your uh, podcast. Amazing! Good to see you, Ben. Have a lovely rest of your day. See ya. See you then. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the podcast, please follow and share so we can continue to share the Move Your Soul love. If you want to know more about the Move Your Soul membership and how you can put our learnings into practice, remember you can use the code Move Your Soul Podcast, all capital letters, at the checkout to get your first month free today. Simply go to moveyoursoul.co. 
By joining our community, you'll be able to access a whole host of strength training, mobility, yoga, breathwork, and animal flow sessions with varied durations and ability levels, all geared to help you move your body, connect to your true self, and keep you doing what you love better for longer. And lastly, if you'd like to connect personally with me, I'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch with me at kimhartwell.com or kimhartwell on Instagram. Thanks for listening. See you next time.